Welcome to the latest installment of our podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sarah. And I'm your other host, Christian. And today we're going to be exploring our latest installment of our next Faith and Justice conversation, looking at two movies related to the work and life of James Baldwin. We're nearly coming up on a year of podcast episodes, which is amazing to think about. And over this year, we've explored so many different topical areas, beginning with the theology of resurrection and exploring different aspects related to that. And we've hosted a lot of faith and justice conversations in this space to open up the conversation for us. We're considering as we look forward to next year, what will be the conversations and explorations we want to have? And we would love to hear from you, any of your thoughts on those matters. We're thinking actually about potentially a title like Faith And, because one of the distinctions of our community of faith has long been sitting at that space of the faith and, faith and the environment, faith and food, faith and justice, faith and. Uh, we have long been a community that's valued the life of the mind and wrestling with important conversations. And we want to keep having important conversations like that. So again, we'd love to hear from you as we look forward to next year. But for today, we invite you to join us and lean in to consider a little bit of the faith and justice conversation as it relates to the work of James Baldwin. Now, maybe many of you are like I am. I didn't even know about James Baldwin until probably about five years ago. I hadn't studied him at any point throughout my educational experience, of which I have many years of that. <laughs> and he hadn't been a part of any of the canons of black literature that I had read uh, throughout my time in seminary, et cetera. Now, a, a part of that, I think there's probably many reasons for that. Uh, one of those is because James Baldwin is a black queer man. And I think as such, both in the black community, but then also inside of church and theology and wrestling with matters of faith and justice and social activism and the black experience. In many ways, his voice had been one that history just hadn't remembered. And it's only been in the last number of years that there seems to be a deep resurgence of interest and, and of turning to his work. And so I think part of that is on account of his own identities and who he is and was. I think also in many ways, he was ahead of his time. Like he, he is really resonant with ways of thinking about human experience and human identities that are so prevalent within our own time. And we've seen, and I know that I, I first came to encounter his work through some of my friends who had been reading his work. I'm like, Sarah, you have to read James Baldwin. And then come to find out actually there are whole parts of particularly the Black Academy and, and larger community where people had been reading James Baldwin the whole time uh, as is made evident in the work such as Ta-Nehisi Coates' Letters to My Son, which is deeply indebted to this legacy uh, coming out of James Baldwin, which we also spoke about from the, the text I Am Still Here by Austin Channing Brown, where she does a similar sort of letter writing that you see uh, in James Baldwin work, which we'll be turning to next month. So I am really grateful to have been able to be encountered by James Baldwin and his work. He is an insightful thinker, a complicated, bringing together different threads and themes uh, filled with honesty, passion, love. And I think he brings a lot to us that as a community of faith, we can wrestle with both on account, again, of his identities and the ways that churches have not often 
held space to recognize and honor a person such as James Baldwin. Uh, and because I think he just brings such an insightful cultural commentary and analysis that can help to enrich us as we're seeking to explore what does it mean to be people of faith and walking in the ways of God's love and justice for all people. So I'm really excited for the conversation we'll be having today. Uh, Christian, how about you? Uh, what, tell us a little bit about James Baldwin, your own experience and encounters with him. Yeah, so I, I mean, in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm in your boat. In other ways, I, I did encounter him a little bit earlier, but um, it really came indirectly. I think probably the first time I would have heard of him was back in the 90s when I was in college, uh, primarily because it was mediated by the work of James Cone. So Cone interacts with Baldwin um, in his work, and, and Cone was really the first theologian that I was reading um, as a young Christian and, a, and, and as a college student. But I, I didn't, I, I, I can't remember exactly when, but I think when I, I first probably really read some of um, Baldwin's essays back in like 2008 or 2009, when I was, um, I took part in the um, uh, anti-racism study dialogue circles that are um, offered around the Twin Cities. And it was a 10 week sort of every Saturday morning, you go and meet for two to three hours and you have homework during the week. And I would have read a couple of his essays. I, and it was during that time that I learned some things about Baldwin. So, I mean, one of them, which I think is amazing, is that he grows up a preacher's son, and he himself is a very powerful and eloquent speaker and has that same sort of um, presence. And I think you get that, especially when you see any kind of documentary um, interactions with him. Uh, he was a significant figure, um, not just as sort of a, in the civil rights movement. I mean, he's, he was not so much, you know, out in the streets per se, though there are clearly times when he was doing that kind of stuff, but he was, he was engaged in sort of the broader intellectual conversation. So there are several, you know, fascinating things that you learn, particularly in the kind of the second movie we'll talk about tonight, um, where you see actually how much exposure he had, which I think is quite remarkable. One of the things, though, I remember being like, wow, this guy's pretty important was, I think it was back in 2009, and I found out that Baldwin, and I think we, we actually had to read this essay, he was invited to uh, present an essay at one of the meetings of the World Council of Churches on, on racism. Um, and so, uh, so I think that was kind of when I was sort of put on to uh, Baldwin. And then I've had so, several friends who have just been kind of uh, drinking from, you know, from Baldwin's work. So I'm, I'm especially excited too about getting a chance to kind of delve in. I think about five years ago or four years ago, um, we had, when I was, uh, this would have had to have been probably 2016. Um, I was, when I was still teaching at Bethel, um, I was in the humanities program, which is sort of the gate, great books program. And uh, sometimes you would, we would include key essays that students would read. And so we got a chance to, I got a chance to teach Baldwin, uh, um, his little short essay called Sonny's Blues. Um, which is a very powerful, also kind of visceral uh, piece of work. And so that's kind of been my exposure uh, in a sense. So the, 
the first film that we want to talk about um, of the two that we've suggested to folks to watch, and if you have time to watch both of them, I really strongly urge you to do so. But uh, this first one is called If Beale Street Could Talk. And um, this is, uh, it's a film that was based on a novel um, that uh, Baldwin published in 1974. Um, the movie itself came out in 2018 and I went and saw it in the theater. Um, and it is just a very, very powerful, so I, I didn't really know much at all about the novel when I saw the movie. Uh, of course, I knew Baldwin and I was kind of getting to know his work more at that point. Uh, but I didn't know, I had not read the novel. And um, one of the things I think over time that I've discovered is maybe there are a couple of things. Uh, one is um, the novel set in the 70s. So it's kind of post civil rights movement. Um, but if you know something about the 70s, you know, sort of that there's a kind of um, uh, things have shifted gears, I think it's fair to say. Um, a king has been assassinated. Um, Malcolm X has been assassinated. Um, Edgar Evers, of course, has been assassinated. Three figures that we're going to wind up actually talking about in the next uh, film that we discuss. Um, and, and of course, the Black Power movement has evolved and come forward, which, of course, was basically an empowerment movement. Um, though I know typically when white people hear that phrase, they get, they oftentimes get freaked out. But if you actually read the documents put together, and that, and that phrase, by the way, started with black clergy. It does not start outside of the church. It actually starts within the church. It really was an argument that the community itself ha has a kind of power that it needs to utilize and leverage uh, to better um, the whole of the community. So, but things have shifted, right? Black Panthers, um, and, you know, this is also the time, I think, when Angela Davis is, kind of comes on the scene, and, and there's this whole sort of uh, uh, kind of drama connected to her. And she's also a very important intellectual figure um, who certainly is, uh, some people would view as a controversial figure, but um, once you kind of get to know her work, uh, I think, you know, it's, it could be quite eye-opening. Um, but so the 70s then, I think that as the background then, right, there have been some advances, but not that much, right? I mean, that would be the way of thinking about it. And it's set in Harlem. Um, one of the places where, you know, that was also had riots in the 60s. Um, you, you now at this point in time have, you know, you know drug issues and things of that nature um, going on, here, particularly around heroin addiction, I think, uh, going around uh, in the cities and stuff. So that's the context. So, and I think I, I only recently really figured out, like, that Beale Street is not in Harlem, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and it turns out, I mean, Beale Street is actually in Memphis and, and Beale Street is not just any street. It is like, it's, it literally is a symbolic um, cipher for, the, for a deep, deep vein in the black experience is kind of where, and I think this is Baldwin, you know, you know consciously adopts this. Um, it's the site, it's one of the sites that it's argued that the blues begins, Beale Street. It's a place where one of the oldest standing, I think the oldest standing 
Afro-Protestant church in the United States still is. Um, it's where Ida B. Wells, part of her career was shaped there before her printing presses were destroyed by a white mob. So there's, and, there, and then of course, it's also the site in the 20s and 30s and 40s where a slew of major figures, um, uh, particularly in the blues, uh, musicians and otherwise uh, performed. So it's like, it's like this place that's like deeply embedded in the black experience and black history. Um, one of the things that I was struck by uh, when I watched it and I've kind of been, I mean, first of all, it's just a beautiful film. It's beautifully done. It's beautifully written. Um, and it's a, it's a love story, effectively. I mean, it really is. It's just a love story. Um, and I think this is one of the things to me, like I was reflecting on it as I was thinking the other day about, you know, getting ready for our conversation is the everydayness of the story. Like what you discover is these two lovebirds who have found each other, they're soulmates. They want to have a future together. They want to embark on that future. You know, they're, they have their challenges, financial, otherwise, but they have their dreams. So it's like a, it's literally like a typical love story. Um, and then, but then like they, you encounter white supremacy basically. And it makes it impossible as you, what you find out, you see how it profoundly distorts um, the average everyday human aspirations that oftentimes unite us in spite of the fact that we might have cultural or other kinds of differences. And um, I don't want to give away <laughs> too much, but so there's a, there's a definite tragic element. Um, I don't know if tragic is even the right word because I feel like tragic sometimes that word kind of abstracts where we need to be concrete, you know? Um, but the, but the, the story, I, yeah, so I, I'm just really excited. I'm going to watch it again uh, in a few days here as we prep for, for our meeting time together um, uh, next week for, for our conversation around faith and justice. And I'm really excited to rewatch it. I'm going to be rewatching it with my wife. Um, and so I, I hope that people of the two films, it's the one that is based on a novel that was fully completed that, that Baldwin published. It's, it's a Hollywood film. Um, and, and the realism, I guess, that comes through, you know, so anyway, that's kind of my, uh, thoughts about it. Um, I, what, what, uh, what kind of comments or what, what kinds of reflections have you, uh, have you been thinking about in regards to this, uh, Sarah? Yeah, thanks, Christian. I really appreciate that. And I think some of my thoughts I want to keep for when we're all together. Uh, so we will invite you to join us on Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. You can find the details for that on our website. Uh, you know, I just, I resonate with a lot of what you said. I think one of the things I, I really appreciate about you, Christian, as well is you know, you've named that here and also you named it uh during the traditional service when you were talking about the faith and justice and about the film is how much it's impacted you in watching it 
And I think on a formational level, that's, that's part of why we're doing this as a community of faith is wanting to open ourselves to our neighbors. And I think about that, um, it was a sermon that, it was actually a homily that Pope Francis did back in 2013 during a, one of the significant waves of the migrant crisis where there were the migrants fleeing and la landing on Lampedusa and there had just been a huge capsizing and it was something like 200 migrants had died. Um, and, and he asked this question coming out of the Cain and Abel story where they approached and said, you know, where is your brother? And in that homily, Pope Francis asked the question, like, can we not weep? Can you not weep? Yeah. And I think about how so many of our stories and our lives have been constructed to not be able to weep with one another. And what is the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, <laughs> right? Like his brother had died and he cried. And what an important model, I think, for us in becoming human and learning to follow Jesus and loving our neighbors is to turn towards that question of, to Cain, you know, in the Cain and Abel story, where is your brother? And then to that question, which Pope Francis asks in view of the suffering of our neighbors and of our siblings, can we not weep? And how do we follow Jesus in weeping and seeing everyone as our friends? And I think this film opens up that evocative space to be able to sit with that question, what is called from us as Christian people in view of the named black experience in this story? And it can be painful and uncomfortable and really hard. And yet as people who claim to follow Jesus, we know that resurrection life only comes through death and through being born again. And so how is this become another invitation for us to prayerfully sit with that story, listen to the suffering and the invitations, cry, weep, and then ask what God might ask from and of us to live our lives in response. You know, so Jesus does then get up, right, and goes to his friends and says, take off the grave clothes and live. How do we become that kind of people then who help to foster the possibilities for grave clothes to not be shrouding any of our siblings? And so I think that's just as we think of this formationally, as you're watching, I invite you to consider that. Well, I, just to piggyback on that, um, you know, the, what's one of the things that's been rolling around my head over the last I don't know, a few months, maybe longer is just learning to care. You know, just learning to care, to care about other people, to care about their experiences, to care about what they have to say. Like just learning to care. Do you care? Do we care? Do I care? which is such a, I don't know, it's, it's a phrase that you use, you know, um, probably every day. Um, but if you just let it sit with you, like that's the, I feel like that's 
one of the questions like, do you care? Um, so I agree with you. Um, I think you put it more eloquently, uh, but it, I think it does just connect um, to this just basic human. It goes well beyond the theories around, you know, and the things that we've talked about, which are very important to talk about, you know, uh, around the construction of white supremacy, racism, the fact that we've all been racialized, the economic impacts, all those kinds of things, which are all important. But like at the base on a certain level, it's like, do you care? Do we care? Um, so I hope you'll watch this movie and you'll care about these characters, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the powerful things about literature and art um, is it helps us to, sometimes we can, it can, we can bypass some of the theory stuff and enter into the yeah. thick um, existential experience. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we might even say we could immerse ourselves in those sacred rhythms. <laughs> Amen. Well done. So our core values, if you're listening to this and don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Uh, the second film that we've recommended to you to consider watching is a different type of film. It's I Am Not Your Negro. And this uh, is more of a documentary film released in 2016. And I Am Not Your Negro focuses on an unfinished manuscript that James Baldwin was working on entitled Remember This House, narrated by the wonderful voice of Samuel L. Jackson. The film explores the civil rights leaders, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, both through some of the writing that was in the unfinished manuscript and then interspersed with different interviews and pieces of cultural reflection and commentary from Baldwin uh, you know, in the 60s and his own reflections on both the leaders themselves, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Megger Evers, and also how each of them is received and perceived by the larger white American um, culture and society. I watched this film uh, last summer, actually after George Floyd had been killed and we were beginning to do, you know, deeper work in our community of faith, but um, also personally, I was doing more intentional work as well, uh, just to keep leaning in and listening to Black voices and theologians and writers. And Andy and I had this film on our to watch, I think since 2016. And, and we finally did. And I was so just blown away by the film. And you know, one of the pieces we had talked about in terms of kind of why Baldwin and why now, and not only is because I think his cultural commentary and critique is very resonant, uh, you know, but in the book we'll read next month as well, as you know to Christian, he's a minister's son and so much of his context, which he's responding and, and from which he emerges in seeking to understand his own self, him, himself and his own identities is in response to American Christianity, both in the black church and then also in the white church. Here's just a couple quotes from him that are featured in this film. I think name some of why he turned away from his faith. One of the quotes from the film is, I was not a member of any Christian congregation because I knew they had heard, but not lived by the commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Mm. And that's a, a big part of his critiques, both for the church, but also of 
American culture is that there is a significant gap between the things that we say that we're about and how we actually live and order our lives and that it's in listening to what actually happens and paying attention to that, that the truth um, both of the country, of a people, of an individual is, is, is laid clear, laid bare, bare. And so I think this film, uh, it offers a really different way into Baldwin's work and into reflection than Beale Street, as Christian's talked about. But I think it's a, another really lovely, important, harrowing, painful, challenging, all of the different things story. And part of what I appreciate about Baldwin and his work and where he pushes at is to say, for instance, another one of his quotes, the story of the Negro in America is the story of America and it's not a pretty story. And so what do we learn about ourselves and our gaps, our non-integration between the things we profess we believe and the way we live our lives? So for instance, we say central to the Christian message is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And yet, our history is replete with profound dissonance and actually the exact opposite way of being that has happened as a part of the church. And so if we want to be the church, I think part of our work is to help to bring into deeper integration, the things that we profess that we believe and the way that we actually structure and order our lives and to open up the gaps that there might be healing and reconciliation and realignment and conversion of our own selves. And so that's one of the things I would say in watching this is that sometimes we can approach whether it's Baldwin's work, you know, it's any different reading, like it's an intellectual exercise. Uh, but I think the real invitation here is that in hearing and listening and learning, it's not about what do I just go and fix out there or how can I help those people? It's what is the work God is calling me to in my own inner self, where are the places I need to be born again? Where are the gaps? Where am I experiencing shame? Why am I feeling whatever I'm feeling as I'm watching this? And so that's my encouragement to, if you choose to watch either of these films, is to pay attention to what's going on in yourself in this and don't shut off your heart. Don't shut off your emotions. Employ that as a way to listen to God's spirit's invitation to you and to us about how we can become different kinds of people and do our own work as individuals and as a community of faith that we might, you know, to quote again, right? We might be known as Christians for our love, that there might be an experience from our neighbors that they're telling us, I experience you as a person who loves your neighbor as yourself. Not that I'm so convinced I am doing it, but would my neighbor, would Baldwin, say, hey, I might not be Christian, but let me tell you about this church. There is an integration of what they're saying they believe and how they're living. And I think this film lays bare those gaps and invites us, if we're willing to take up the invitation, to consider how we might tend to those gaps even within ourselves and become the people that we are called to be uh, as Christ followers. Christian? Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I, I, I think you have really hit a number of important um, threads. I mean, one of the things that's really, I saw this movie in 2016. I think one of the things that's really interesting is the way that Baldwin's words and his reflective um, work that he's doing. And by the way, um, when he does that mirror 
thing where he literally says, you say this, but you do this. He is so incisive and it's, it's just, and it's just, I mean, you have to, you would have to do like serious, like intellectual gymnastics to avoid what he puts up in front of your face. So if you, and so if you do that, I, like Sarah said, I would encourage you to say, okay, why am I, what is it about this that is, that, that troubles me or that I can't seem to move into or whatever. Um, just because I, I find it very difficult to deny essentially the picture that he offers um, of the black experience. And uh, in particular, the ways that that has uh, been shaped of course, by white interests um, and arrangements. Um, but one of the things I thought was so interesting, I rewatched this about, I don't know, three weeks ago, and I was struck because not only do you get the documentary stuff, not only do you have the background of the novel or the book that he was working on, and you find out that he had intimate relationships with all three of those men. Like he was friends with Medgar Evers, he knew Malcolm X, he knew Martin, he knew their families. He talks about the pain of having to return because he for a while is in exile in France and he returns and he knows he's gonna have to go see those families after, you know, because those people are dead. Um, but it's the interspersing of scenes from Ferguson in that film that um, help you understand the relevance, I think in a sense, like one of the reasons why his work is kind of undergoing this, like it's receiving a renaissance in terms of interest um, because it's still the basic dynamics, the basic, some of the basic problems that he talked about in the 60s and 70s haven't gone away. A, a, a truth, of course, that I hope if you've been participating in our faith and justice conversations, you, you've already kind of seen that that's uh, the case. And that's been, that was, of course, one of the principal aims of why we started doing this was to help people understand that it, that it doesn't just, it doesn't just sort of pop up every now and then. It's that it's always there. And sometimes it surges, uh, but it's always there operating. Um, uh, you know, and we're talking by by it. We're talking about racism, racialization, white supremacy, etc., which of course distorts all of us. Uh, I mean, I think that's the basic argument, and that is also one of the arguments that Baldwin. I mean, there is one point in the film where Baldwin is giving, I think he's giving a lecture. Maybe it's at Oxford, and he says, you know, ultimately this is not even a race question. This is a human question. What is wrong with your humanity? that you cannot see what I'm telling you about, that you do not believe me, even though it's undeniable. And, uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that he does that I think is very helpful. You know, he doesn't leave behind the, ne the necessity to analyze the racialized structures that we have created in the categories of race and the, the regimes uh, that, that, that have been created that, that often are constantly having to be renewed and repaired because they can never truly capture the truth. Uh, indeed, um, which he himself knew, and I'm kind of smiling right now uh, just because he was so perceptive. Um, but to frame it as a human question, you know, again, gets back to to me, like one of the, the powerful things about if Beale Street could talk, 
you know, it's just a story of two people in love, you know, and, and that love, you know, encounters a profound derailment. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's a remarkable piece. It has a documentary feel, um, even though it's not, you know, totally a documentary and, um, I'm thinking about watching it again. So, so having seen it three times, just to kind of sit with it for, for a little bit longer, but yeah, very excited about that. And very excited also, of course, to turn um, with you next month in May to probably the most important of all the works that Baldwin published, which is The Fire Next Time, which is, it's about, I don't know, 80 pages, 90 pages, something like that, maybe a little bit longer. And it's, it's made up of two letters. One of the letters is obviously really long. So if you've got, if you, if these are letters, they, they would very much be very quite long, but, um, and in the letter down at the cross, you hear that theological imagery, you hear that preacher's son background. Um, it starts with the epigraph of a hymn, as well as the you know the deeply troubling epigraph of Kipling's White Man's Burden uh, poem. Uh, so this I think if you if you read this text, and in some ways you you get really to the heart of what made Baldwin so important. Um, and just looking on the back of it, it talks about you know it immediately became a national bestseller, and it had a profound impact in helping to galvanize. Um, you know, some of the elements that are going on in the civil rights movement in the 60s. So just a, a highly significant work. Um, and also, you know, a place where we get to, again, pivot and, you know, take in literature, memoir, etc., cetera, uh, which is what a lot of folks said that they would love to do because it's a little bit easier to engage and sit with for a while. So very exciting. Thanks for that, Christian. Uh, so just two things then. We do hope you'll join us. It's coming Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. And details are on our website. So into what you, Christian, had referenced, uh, many people, including Tanahisi Coates, have argued that Baldwin is one of the most important essayists of American history. Like he's one of the most important voices. I, I would agree with that. And uh, he, his writing is incredibly lyrical. And I don't know if you know this, but he was taught poetry. His poetry teacher was County Cullen. And mm. not this past year, but the year before for Black History Month, we in partnership with Upper Room did an exploration. And so I wanted to end our time with a poem from County Cullen, uh, The Black Christ. So we'll end that. And then we again invite you to see both of the films and plan to join us then this coming Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Here is the poem then, The Black Christ. God's glory and my country's shame, and how one man who cursed Christ's name may never fully expiate that crime till at the blessed gate of heaven he meet and pardon me out of his love and charity. How God, who needs no man's applause for love of my stark soul of flaws composed, seen it slip, did stoop down to the mire and pick me up, and in the hollow of his hand enact again at my command the world's supremest tragedy, until I die, my burthen be. How Calvary and Palestine, extending down to me and mine, 
was but the first leaf in a line of trees on which a man should swing. World without end and suffering for all men's healing. Let me sing. Amen. Great to be with everybody.